now betting for the sports animal your afternoon drive number two men on van nunley and fred slow and in the on deck circle this is Two Men On with Van Nunley and Fred Slow. My time on earth is gone and my activities here are past. I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my <laughs> Oh, man. Welcome back to Two Men On. That was the legend Bob Knight. That's one of the greatest quotes in the history of the world. I love that quote. I have another quote that I want to share. It's one of my favorite Bob Knight quotes ever. It's it's about motivation, and we can, we can get to it here in a minute. But, uh, man, one of the best to ever do it. One of the level. best to ever do it. One of the most entertaining to ever do it. One of the most motivating to ever do it. And one of the most accountable mm-hmm. to ever do it. If you played for Bob Knight, you played your heart out. You gave it 110%. Or you didn't play. Or you would not play, and David Weesey Carl. That's what the quote is about. I'll read it to you right now. Bob Knight quote in a press conference. You can talk about, this is directly from him, you can talk about all the motivational speeches and devices you want, but the greatest motivator in the world is your ass on the bench. Ass meets bench. Bench retains ass. Ass transmits <laughs> signals to the brain. Brain transmits signals to the body. Body gets ass off bench and plays better. It's a hell of a sequence. <laughs> I love that. I mean, that is Bob Knight, Fantastic. period. That is so good. Fantastic. Rest in peace. 83 years of age. One of the legends, not just in college basketball, but in coaching in general. What a career. What a life. What a dude. 902 wins yeah. at the Division One level. And he only had something like 300 losses. Yeah. I mean, the man tripled his w- wins I, over losses. I mean, that... You know, you can talk about the greats, you know, Coach K. You can talk about, you know, any great basketball coach, but you can't forget about Bob Knight. 100%. And uh, go ahead. Not only was he just a great coach on the court, you know, he's a a leader of men, took all those young student-athletes throughout the years, and except for his crass behavior, I don't remember any scandals. I don't think he had any. I don't remember anything horrible happening around the Indiana Hoosiers basketball program. You're all program. about them scandals right now, aren't you? Oh, always <laughs> pushes the meter on this program, baby. I, I remember when Bob Knight, this is maybe five, six years ago, he went back to Assembly Hall. Um, this is long after he'd, he'd retired, but he, he goes back to Assembly Hall, and they have players from decades of Indiana teams that come and meet him there, and just the love those guys had for Bob Knight. And Bob... I mean, he he looked old then. He was mm-hmm. he was struggling then, right? Um, and just the love he had for them, the love they had for him, the place was just standing o for ten straight minutes. It was powerful, mm-hmm. um, and you don't get that without being somebody who cares about the people you're charged with taking care of. It's not just being a coach, no doubt. It's building better people, and yeah, Bob Knight did that. He was he was unbelievable. Speaking of building better people, we got a dude on the program at 5.30 who was cut from the same cloth. Coach G of UNM Lobos Football will join us at 5.30. I'd love to hear his thoughts on Bob Knight. Indiana is like the center of college oh, yeah. basketball in America. Yeah. But you think, you think North Carolina, you think Duke, Duke, you think some other teams, but it's Indiana. The Indiana Hoosiers. As far as Midwest basketball, that's it. Yeah, I mean, you've in, got your West yeah. Coast, you've got UCLA, your East Coast, you've got a few. But, I mean, yeah, in Midwest basketball where where it came up, 
That's Indiana. That's Indiana stuff, and that's Bob Knight. And you think when I think of Indiana basketball, I think of the the peach basket mm-hmm. and the the mm-hmm. pallet Naismith. the pallet board backboard, and then a bunch of country strong dudes playing <laughs> on hard packed dirt. Like I don't think of like street ball like Emory, in New York Emory or L A. I don't think of you know um, North Carolina or Duke. When I think of like basketball, basketball turning boys into men i think about dudes from indiana in the midwest oh. who are grown up like corn this. fed like, corn fed larry dude, bird larry legend like that's what i think of when i think of indiana basketball not that you know larry bird played on indiana hey marie can you play yeah. glory days in the background of this I, whole thing I, I play glory day. well two things though i went to a purdue camp when i was in eighth grade because i was a baller growing up and uh i remember flying into indiana and everyone had like a full court basketball court yeah hoops Stadium lights. I called my mom. I was like, "What's up with this rolly hoop in the driveway?" <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Uh, uh, and, well, it's uh, funny. Go yeah. ahead. No, no. And my husband's from Indiana. And Van, you've met my husband. He's a corn sure. fed boy, Midwest. Played yeah. basketball growing up in Indiana. He never played because everyone on his team or high school was either like star in college or NBA. It just yeah. basketball, yeah. corn fed. Oh, if I was in, basketball it, state. If I was as tall and handsome and corn-fed as your husband, the sky would be the limit. <laughs> Instead of me peaking in high school, like, I could have really done something with my life mm-hmm. if, I had the, if I had the same attributes as your dude. Oh, Emory, it's you. funny you mentioned Purdue because the famous chair-throwing incident was at Purdue. Yep. Right? Yep. That was, yep. And it's, it's funny. I, I watched that game back, uh, and I remember the commentators early in the game saying, what is Bob Knight wearing? He's wearing a polo and some khakis. Like, he looks like he's ready to go golf. And then he gets thrown out early in the second half. He's like, well, guess he's going golfing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Marie, we got some more snippets. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna, oh, my gosh. Okay. There's, like, so many, but let me play you. Um, we have two, of them, two more for you in this segment. Just remember, when you're at a game and you see grass, it's the opposite side of the ball. But if you see hardwood out there, it's the other end of the floor. Try to help you young guys in this profession you've chosen. It's one or two steps above prostitution. <laughs> uh, hey, until NIL, he's not wrong. No, he's not. He's not at all wrong. You know, and <laughs> NCAA champion yeah. as a player, three time champion as a coach, five Final Fours, 11 wow. Big Tens. I mean, this, this. His coaching success goes back before the modern NCAA tournament. Winning NITs, Mm -hmm. winning just about everything a coach possibly can. And I think when I think of like a like a Hollywood movie, when I think of a basketball coach in a Hollywood movie, Mm -hmm. so many of these guys have emulated Bob Knight. Yeah, yeah. I think, and, and people forget with Bob Knight too. It wasn't just at Indiana. The man rebuilt Army's basketball Army. program because yeah. they were when NCAA basketball first became a thing. Shortly thereafter, Army had one of the best programs in the country. No doubt, they fell off uh, for decades, and Bob Knight came in and rebuilt that program uh, from the ground up before he got the call to go to Indiana. So this is multiple programs over multiple decades, multiple national championships, and I think he's what he's second or third all time in wins behind Mike Shashevsky and. Uh, Someone else. I don't remember who. But he's, he's up there to top two or three. I mean, he's he's unbelievable. I mean, Mike Krzyzewski, often considered the greatest basketball coach of all time, his protege. Mm-hmm. 100%. I mean, and he did it in a very different era. I mean, you think about it. Mike Krzyzewski has more wins, yes, than, than Bob Knight. 
but you're also playing nearly twice as many games as you did in Meisterschewski's uh, typical season than you did in Bob Knight's typical season. Oh, yeah. Not to mention the fact the NCAA tournament, you're adding four or five additional games for that. When Bob Knight, early in his career, the NCAA tournament didn't exist. You had right. conference tournaments, and that was it. Yep, that was it. Um, so, you know, Bob Knight was a, was a, a legend, yes, uh, but he, he redefined the way that you coached NCAA basketball. He redefined the way that you coached young men, again, tried, trying to make them better people, not just better athletes. It's something that, that coaches in any sport at any level can emulate, or at least attempt to. Attempt. Attempt is the thing, because not everyone gets to do it. Not at that high level and not for that long. Well, no, 100%. And, and for a Lobo fan, of course, and, in, in you know, we have Lobo basketball tonight, too, you can listen to on KKOB right across the hall at uh, later on. But uh, they have... I don't know if you guys know the story behind Bob Knight and Steve Alford. And we know Steve Alford has some history here in New Mexico. Sure, sure, sure. It's <laughs> <laughs> putting it nicely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so um, I have a clip A of mixed th- bag of emotions <laughs> yeah, when right you there. say that name. I don't know how mixed it is, but yeah, 100%. It's, it's, it tends to be in one direction. Well, Go ahead, Amory. As Sorry. we know, Alford was a Hoosier, and he broke a record um, playing for Bob Knight. But after Bob Knight just, like, ripped on this guy. I don't know if you guys remember this. And mm-hmm. so for a long time, they said Bob Knight and uh, Steve Alford didn't have a good relationship. So here's the clip, and it's funny. Let me answer that. You know, that is an absolute crock of <laughs> You know, you <laughs> people in the news media, all of you fantastic. Uh, dwell on some negative piece of like that. Yeah. And I don't know how Steve feels about it, but it just <laughs> And you don't have to bleep one single word of this <laughs> hey we don't have and to bleep one single word of that you oh, guys. oh thanks for the permission bob he's on network television and they're asking him about the steve alford drama oh he did, he, he did not care that's what those old school coaches they they did not care i want to get to that point in my life guys yeah. i want to get to a point in my life where i tell people exactly what i think and say and you know what you don't have to bleep any of that bleeping bleep uh, i love that you're talking like the uh the pants off shoplifting at Walmart age because that's pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, what are, what are they going to do? Fire him? No. Yeah. You're going to fire the legend? Absolutely not. You're going to what are you going to find him? He doesn't care. I mean, the man. I, I will say, you know, again, maybe not everybody liked him because he was a little brash or he was a little rough around the edges. I loved but every I, second. I, I loved of it. it. And how can you not respect it? How can you not respect the level of no honesty no that this man had in everything that he did? And if I'm a player for this guy. And I see that level of honesty and consistency from my coach every step of the way. How motivating. Oh, my yep. God, how motivating. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, accountability. Yep. So, I mean, except for salty language and, like, pissing off the right people, no drama. Nope. Nothing weird. Nothing weird from his ex-players. Nothing nope. weird from the program. Nothing weird from the organization. And for as long as he did it, that's, yeah. that's a feat. Yeah, impossible. I mean, with everything that was going on around him and the, the, the college sports landscape mm-hmm. where – Everybody's taking money under the table. Everyone's getting in trouble. Everything's doing stuff that gets their team in trouble every year, and he avoided that for decades. And again, and wildly and impressive, an, and through an evolving landscape too. Right? It's not just that he was a coach in pick your decade: the '80s, the '70s, the '90s, where you had to deal with this issue of money under the table, or you had to deal with this issue of players sneaking off with prostitutes, like he mentioned, or, or whatever it is. He lived through all of it. Oh yeah, right. and it was scandal free. He told he told the people that a couple people to f off. Great, yeah. I love. I wish I could tell a few more people to f off. So Me too. go on, Bobby Knight. <laughs> Me Bobby too. Knight, the legend, eighty three years of age, one of the best to ever do it. 
rest in power, King. You are an absolute legend, and you changed the landscape, not quite single-handedly, but about as close to single-handedly as a human being can do it. I mean, we're going to have quotes and clips and game replays and stories from players, and we're going to be, I mean, this story is very fresh, as this this did happen today, but I guarantee you Bob Knight will be – memorialized just about as good as any human being can and i'm here for it and i'm really excited to see all of it and you wanted to bleep a single word of it van Uh oh thank you for that (laughs) david weesey carl and bobby knight giving me permission to cuss on air i'm not taking that bait love it (laughs) when we get back james harden and the clippers oh boy you're listening to two men on 95.9 fm am 610 the sports animal Is there a song here? Is there a song? Is there a song coming? Is Amory doing an oboe solo? You know this one starts off slow, Van. I remember. I remember. As soon as it got started, I forgot. It's like some early Lincoln Park here. Welcome back to the program, Duke City. Two men on. 95.9 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. 12 short minutes away from the coach of your UNM Lobos, Danny Gonzalez, joining the program, as he always does on Wednesday. Excited to talk to him about you Bob heard. Knight. So the Clippers are the best team in the world mm-hmm. in 2017. <laughs> okay. Valid. <laughs> Valid. All right, now we got Kawhi Leonard, stud when he's healthy. Healthy. Keyword. Paul George, stud when he's healthy. Again, keyword. Russell Westbrook, <laughs> stud when he's healthy. Again. Guess what? We got another one. James Harden, stud when he's healthy. These are four MVP caliber players yep. when they're healthy. Also when they're when they're in 2019. Yeah, when they're in, in 2010. The, yeah. yeah, the 17, 18, 19 seasons. Mm-hmm. This foursome would be unstoppable. Yep. Also, you could not fit them into a salary cap as nope. they would all be max, max players. Yeah, 100%. Yep. Congratulations, Philadelphia. You got rid of Harden. <laughs> yeah. Good luck, L.A. I mean, Good luck. In all honesty, I mean, if we're talking about winners and losers in this trade, Philadelphia one they fleeced i really think they did don't get me wrong james harden is james harden has talent yeah nobody denies his talent nobody denies his beard how, how great it is it's the perfect one it's a, it's a terrific <laughs> it's the beard. second best one in the history of sports but you've got oh. a player who refuses to play for you who called your gm a liar and said i will never play for this man again in my life which they were best friends they were they were best very, buds very until they recent. weren't yeah until they weren't but but for that guy who will never play for you again you got a 2026 first round pick protected pick mm-hmm. you got a 2028 first round pick unprotected you got two second-round picks and a 2029 pick swap and a couple other players who, Kenyon Martin, stuff, you know, players who aren't going to do much. Right. Some of them have probably already gotten released. But you got that kind of a deal for a yep. guy who refused to play for you? Well done, Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, yeah no and now you get maxi, what, five, ten more shots a game? Yep. Who is kind of. Embiid the ball more. Yeah, Embiid gets to be the complete center of the offense. They look, will be a better team before they use any of the picks. 
Oh yeah, that's crazy to me. Yeah, they're not going to use any of those picks. No, they're gonna they're gonna package them all. They're 100%. gonna package all no those together and get another superstar. Or no, no doubt on that. But they couple. are a better team today without those picks. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, agreed. The, the key word you had in all those statements there, Van. Win healthy. Yeah, win healthy. Win healthy. Sure. Russell Westbrook fell off a while ago. After he left Oklahoma City and all that in I was Houston. Say anytime too. he hasn't had Kevin Durant on his roster. Yeah. yeah. He fell off. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard did really well in Toronto. Went to LA. <laughs> fell down. Paul George. I don't think Paul George's been really relevant since oh, he left Paul Indiana. George. He was Mr. He was Captain America for Team USA in there 2007. Was, okay, there was that. Once again, 2000, yeah. not 20-something. I love the guy, but no, he's way up. But, I mean, the thing about all four of those guys is they've got to stay healthy and they've got to be on the floor together well, for this I, to work. It's going to be curious because except for Kawhi Leonard, you got Kawhi Leonard and three guys who have to be successful with their ball in the hand. Mm-hmm. James Harden has to be the number one. Westbrook has to be number one. Paul George has to be number one. Kawhi Leonard is fantastic number two. Yep. He's a perfect number two. Well, he's a great distributor. And, and Russell Westbrook's a great distributor, too. But the man wants to put up 25 shots a game. If they all put up 25 shots a game, they're either scoring 300 points a game or they're missing 70% of their shots yep. is really what it's coming down right. to. And um, I mean, the way you can look at it is if they're all healthy, again, big if, um, you know, it's difficult to, to isolate one of them. It's difficult to – you can't double anybody, no. right? Um, but, again, one, they're never going to all be healthy. And, yep. two, I, I don't trust any of them outside of Kawhi Leonard to be unselfish. And I don't think they're going to win the West either way. No, I mean, it doesn't matter. I no think matter Kawhi Leonard's have looking all... at his former employer and thinking, man, that's how you build a team. Even if, even if you have all four, I don't think they win the West. The West is too strong at this point. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a Houston sports fan. I'm a Fairweather Rockets fan. I don't follow the NBA as much as I follow MLB and NFL. But, mm-hmm. I mean, when – James Harden was at the peak of his powers oh in oh Houston. Yeah. He was unstoppable. Unreal. And he was in the world for a little bit. And yep. he changed his game when he went to Brooklyn and then eventually Philadelphia to be a facilitator, to be a distributor. If he can take a slice of humble pie and be that guy for this team and, God forbid, play a tiny bit of defense, this might work. Not like championship-level work. But work as in you're one of the five best teams in the NBA. But you mentioned James Harden kind of taking a back seat for when he went to Brooklyn. He did it for 41 games. Yeah, sure. It's an 82-game season, Uh and then he started getting rumbly Mm -hmm. and grumbly and angry. He's never shown an ability to do that consistently, and I don't trust that he can do it here. Now, if he's getting a little older, he recognizes his game isn't what it was. He's still a a top-tier player, probably second-tier player in the the, uh, NBA right now. But if he can realize that he's not the MVP caliber player that he used to be and do that, great. I'm not confident he can do it. He's never shown an ability no. to do it. He never did it in Philadelphia. He did it for half a season in Brooklyn, and then he got pissed off. I don't trust him. And I, I see James Harden as two different people. I see James Harden as that diva who's demanded trades from four teams now. Yeah. But I also see him as the guy who took a $15 million pay cut to try to win a championship in Philadelphia. He's not just this diva douche. Like, he's also the guy that took $15 million out of his own wallet 
to try to win with Joel Embiid. Yeah, he's not the yeah. only one who was at fault in Philadelphia. Daryl Morey didn't put enough around him. Yeah. No, I mean, and he was given the tools to do so with that $50 million pay cut. Yeah. Joel Embiid took a pay cut as well. I think yeah. people forget that. He's one of the best players yeah. in the world. Mm-hmm. And Daryl Morey did jack squat with that. Yeah. So I, I get the frustration there. But, again, when you've demanded a trade from four different teams, four. when you when you are saying that your current GM is a liar and you'll never play for him again, it becomes an issue. It becomes a problem when it becomes a consistent thing. That's... Um, and and the, the thing that really sucks is that defensively he's so good when he's on. And that that's the mm-hmm. best part of it for me. My favorite part of watching James Harden isn't the scoring. It isn't the distribution. And he does both those things really well. It's that when he's locked in defensively, he's one of the best players in the league. And, sure. and defensive basketball, is, it's a lost art. Yeah. And you said, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think the Sixers are the winner in this trade because it's an addition by subtraction kind of situation. They can use those assets uh, to get another player to pair with Embiid. Uh, but the real winner here is the already richest owner in the NBA, Steve Ballmer, because he's going to put so many butts in the seats yes. now. You got Harden. You got Westbrook, you got Kawhi, you got Paul George. All four are L.A. guys. Yep. They all grew up playing That's a great point. the best AAU basketball mm-hmm. in the history of the Valley. Think about how many jerseys you're going to sell. Oh, I my mean, God. I know Insane. tickets are your main income, but jersey sales are yeah. probably going to skyrocket with this. Yeah, ticket sales, jersey sales, commercials, appearances. This is all going to be through the roof. Yep. I'm re- Again, I'm interested to see how Jerry West handles it. <laughs> okay, yeah. That's uh, what I want to With know. kitty gloves, for sure. Yeah. When we get back, head coach of your UNM Lobos, Danny Gonzalez. You're listening to Two Men On, 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal. Hey, Marie, cut the music. My friend Danny's here. Welcome back to the program, Duke City. You're listening to Two Men On, 95.9 FM, AM 610, the Sports Animal on the Sports Animal Hotline. we got friend of the show and head coach of your UNM Lobo football, Danny Gonzalez. Danny, before we start on the Lobos and their matchup this weekend, we lost a real one today. We lost one of the legends. We lost an absolute goat. Bobby Knight is no longer with us. Did Bob Knight have an impact on the way you coach and the way that you coach young student athletes? Well, I think there's a, there's a, well, first, thank you for having me on. I mean, I'm very saddened and, and uh, give our condolences to the Indiana family and the Knight family. I mean, um, Bobby Knight had a lot of impression on a lot of people. I mean, there's a lot of both positive and negative things you can learn from him in both positive <laughs> and negative ways. I mean, how he dealt with a lot of things, the things he did. I mean, the things that he did during coaching, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, aren't relevant or acceptable in today's world. But I think he was very uh, discipline-minded. A lot of young men went to school and and graduated because of the things he did. And I would guess to say uh, I'd be willing to bet that the majority of people that played for Bobby Knight uh, were really proud of playing for Bobby Knight and really appreciated the life lessons he taught. I mean, when I was a youngster back in the early 90s, I think it was 92, when they were here for the NCAA tournament, uh, my dad took me out there to watch one of their practices in a press conference. And, I mean, Bobby Knight was a legend way back then. So I've been very blessed to follow him, watch him. I mean, he's done some amazing things for the sport of college basketball and for coaching in general. Coach, I know you've never done it, but have you ever been tempted to throw a chair across the field? 
no. Uh, <laughs> when, I was a, when I was a little kid playing uh, sports, um, I remember playing soccer, and I'd throw tennis when I was a goalie, and if they'd score on me, I'd punch the ground and do all those things. And my dad, <laughs> I used to embarrass the tar out of him, and he told me one time, the next time you do that, son, I'm going to jump down on the floor and scream and yell and kick out here on the sideline. And I thought he was full of it, and sure enough, it happened. I never did it again, and I think I was able to hold my composure during coaching because of it. <laughs> uh, David, I don't mind telling you that um, there's benches on football sidelines, so Coach G would have to pick up a whole-ass bench and throw it onto the be field. be way more well, impressive. <laughs> I mean, he could pull what Mike Leach pulled, where he decided his receivers, since they couldn't catch football, didn't deserve chairs. He started folding up the chairs that they had for him. <laughs> Coach, beyond being a, a leader of men and beyond what he did on the basketball court, he's like the template for, like, the cartoon coach, for, like, the movie coach. The caricature. The, the caricature of a coach. I mean, do you think he popularized just the act of being a coach? I think he was very influential in that. I mean, I think he was very influential on a lot of people. Uh, there's a lot of great now. He was a he was a great motivational speaker. You can sure. go to YouTube and you can go to Google and watch a lot of things that Bobby Knight did. Very inspirational. Uh, there's a lot of funny things on there. I mean, he he obviously was uh, he care what the media nor people thought, which is not a bad quality in people sometimes. Uh, so there's a lot of interesting things. I think he had a great influence on a lot of people. If uh, Coach G started talking like Bobby Knight, I would immediately call emergency services because I'd be scared he's having a stroke. Yeah, I mean, we would have to bleep a lot more of this interview, I think. And even if Bobby Knight tells us we don't have to. But yeah, no. Uh, it, it, again, he's influential. I think Coach hit the nail on the head. Influential. Um, maybe his style wouldn't fly in today's day and age in coaching. Uh, but, uh, but, again, I think influenced a lot of maybe young coaches then or, or would-be coaches then to – to really achieve and, and to look towards becoming a coach later in life. Coach G, before we look forward, let's look back on this past weekend. My apologies, we got to do this. Um, rough second quarter. Besides that, it looked like the Lobo football team was the better team. Oh, you know, I mean, and, and, guys, we, we lay, make our own bed and we got to lay in it and, and continue to work to fix problems. I mean, we're on the verge of having a good football team. Our margin of error, obviously, isn't good enough to, to give – Three turnovers and not take it away. Uh, give Nevada credit. The very first interception I thought was a great play by their defensive end. And then Dylan had a couple throws. One he got hit. The other one was just, just sailed on him. Um, I thought we were playing good enough defense to keep us in the game. And being down 24-0 at halftime, I don't think anybody in our locker room or sideline didn't still expect to win the game. And I thought they came out with some resiliency in the second half. Uh, we made a couple mistakes that we couldn't overcome. And unfortunately, uh, Nevada won the football game, but I mean, you saw our kids fight till the very end. I mean, that's who we are as a football team, and we'll show up with the expectation to beat UNLV on Saturday, and, and I can't wait for that opportunity. Coach, speaking of UNLV, um, UNLV's been shuffling two quarterbacks all season long. How do you guys game plan when they're shuffling two quarterbacks like that? Well, you gotta you gotta identify. What are they doing offensively with each guy in there? Does the scheme change? Do they run different plays? Do they do different things? They don't. Both Jaden Maeva, who's played the majority of the snaps since uh, uh, Broomfield got injured earlier in the year, and then Doug Broomfield, um, he's, they're both athletic. They're both big guys. And the form of uh, triple option that they run and the spread RPO stuff that they do, both of those kids can do it the same. They don't call different plays for them. They're both big kids that can run. So our preparation hasn't changed. 
it's just the guys up in the press box will let me know and we've been pretty uh we've been able to get pressure on the quarterback the last couple weeks so that'll still be the the plan regardless of who is in there coach can you talk a little bit about jeremiah hickson he had 116 yards a touchdown last week i mean he's been phenomenal can you just talk a little bit about his play and then from there can maybe dive into that second half i mean 24 to 10 you guys outscore them the rest of the way out of, out of halftime uh, you guys looked like the better team, the more dominant team, the more hungry team for that second half. You mentioned you know, dig out of a hole. Can you talk a little bit about Jeremiah and then the play in the second half? Well, about Jeremiah Hickson, I mean, he's, he's gotten better. He actually dislocated his wrist against Texas A&M on that fourth down catch in the first game of the season. Uh, didn't want to tell anybody. I mean, he's that, that's the kind of kid he is. He's a tough kid. He stayed in the game, and, and uh, we had to rehab him for a few weeks to get him to where he could be who he is. Uh, I think he's really coming to his own. I think he's one of the best uh, receivers in the Mountain West Conference. People have a hard time catch, uh, covering him. He's got great hands, and he's explosive when he gets the ball in his hands. I mean, we've got him back there on punt return. Uh, he's got some dynamic uh, moves when he gets the ball in his hands. So him and Dylan have really come together and, and created a rapport with each other. And uh, for the next five we- or four weeks, we've got opportunities uh, for – Jeremiah to really show what he can do and how special he is. He's one of the transfers from Alabama State with uh, Ja'Cory Krosky-Merritt and Tito Stafford, and I think he's been a, a valuable part of this football team. And what then is the second half on go Saturday. Ahead, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, please. The second half on Saturday, I mean, I think uh, when we were in the locker room, I mean, you have a quarterback that has a, a half like Dylan does. Oftentimes you think about making a change, and there was absolutely zero thought in my mind. I went over and talked to Dylan on the sideline and said, man, just – Keep plugging away. You're going to be fine. you got to let that thing go. And I thought he did. I thought Dylan played really well in the second half. Yeah, he was he was terrific. And, and, and back to Jeremiah real quick. It's not just uh, 116 come back and yards. Play the way he did was great. With, with Jeremiah, it's, it's not just 116 yards, right? It's not just the touchdown. He did that on four catches. I mean, his ability to make players miss, to beat players with his speed. I mean, can you talk a little bit about just the dynamism? This guy, after once he gets the ball in his hands, after the catch, he's just unbelievable. He is, and he can go backwards. He can go sideways. Uh, I mean, the 59-yard touchdown he had, I mean, he ran right by the DB that was yep. covering him. Uh, it wasn't even close. And then if you watch him early on in the year, I mean, he, his separation from DBs is incredible. Closing speed to the ball. And then his ball skills are impeccable. So we're, we're very lucky to have Jeremiah Hickson here for the one year that we have him. Uh, I mean, he's an explosive, special player. Coach, I think we all know Dylan Hopkins is the guy for this offense, but it's another game, and it's more reps for Devin Dampier. Is this part of the game plan? Are you going to try to get this uh, talent out there on the field this Saturday as well? Oh, I mean, Dylan is, is definitely our quarterback, but Devin, we have a 12- to 15-play package for him every single week. And Devin is uh, that, that experience that he's gaining. I mean, Dylan, um, he's, he's a one-year, one-and-done type kid. Uh, between Devin Dampier and Aiden Armenta, I think we've got a, a future set at quarterback. And Devin is gaining valuable experience uh, with all those reps. And plus, he creates something different. I mean, him and Dylan are, are different as far as sure. athletic ability and speed. Now, people shy. Uh, they don't think Dylan can run. And, and Dylan with his feet every single week. But Devin is, is much like Jeremiah Hickson with the twitchy savviness that he has with the ball in his hands. And I dare people to go ahead and load up the box and play man coverage because sure. Devin has the ability to dice you up throwing the football. What's it like coming home? 
I'm, I love playing at University Stadium. I love playing in front of our home fans and our kids, and they enjoy being at home. So uh, we get a lot of family and all that stuff to come to the game, and hopefully we'll get a, a good crowd. Uh, you're going to see a team that's going to play their tail off, and it's going to be a competitive football game, and we're going to have a chance to beat UNLV on Saturday. To beat UNLV at home, the Lobos do what on Saturday? Uh, don't turn the ball over. Okay, take it away a few times. And then the good thing is we got to continue to to play good defense like we have the past few weeks. And then uh, if Dylan plays like he did against Hawaii and, and some other games earlier in the year where he's got that laser precision and we throw it around the eight or nine receivers, we'll have a great chance to win the football game. All right, Coach, moving away from the Lobos for just a minute. I know Amory warned you before you came on. <laughs> I am a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan. I know you are a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan. In order to beat the Eagles this weekend, what do the Cowboys need to do? Well, obviously, in big obviously games. Obviously, put and, in and, Cooper I mean, it's Rush. Become, it's become <laughs> one of those memes. Yeah, no doubt. Put in Cooper Rush. That's what we the Eagles last time. Dak uh, can't throw the ball away. He can't throw it away to the, to the, to the team in green. Now, uh, when my two years at, at Arizona State, uh, Herm Edwards, obviously, who's a, an Eagle legend, uh, we spent a lot of time talking about Eagles and Cowboys, and and if uh, if Tony Pollard can run the football successfully, because we if now we got to have a healthy offensive line, and then we got to be able to stop Jalen Hurts. I mean, he's he's a lot more dynamic than people think. I, I really, as as much as I don't like the Eagles, I'm a Jalen Hurts fan because he doesn't get nearly the respect he deserves for as much Amen. as he's won in that league, and that league's not easy to win in. Uh, but I, I'm I'm a I'm excited to see the Cowboys whoop up on your Eagles on Saturday in Philadelphia. Yeah, I uh, don't hold your breath, Coach, on that one. And I, I know you, you may not be the biggest Dak Prescott fan putting Cooper Rush, uh, but I, I do love Dak. I, and it's, it's best weird for me yeah. to say as an Eagles fan, I think he's a great dude. He has a lot in the community. Um, you know, he's super inconsistent at times as a quarterback. When he's on, I think he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Um, and uh, I think it'll be a good game. I, I don't think it's going to be the runaway that some people are predicting. I think this one's going to be tight. I think it's within a touchdown either way. Look at you, you politician. Well, I'm David. serious. DWC over here Go trying birds. to hedge his bets. Go Birds. Complimenting Dak Prescott. Go Billy Birds. Minus three. <laughs> Coach G, anything for the friends of the show before he lets you go? Well, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a big Dak fan. I mean, I do. I'm, I'm a I, I'm a loyal guy, and whoever's playing on the Cowboys, I'm a big fan of those. Uh, I can tell you this. I can hear Coach Edwards yelling in my ear right now, fly, Eagles, fly. You'll never hear me say that with any kind of pride. Uh, I appreciate all you guys do. Let's, uh, let's get a big crowd out to uh, University Stadium on Saturday night. We got, a, we got a football team that plays their tails off, and we're getting better and better. And I'm, uh, I'm excited for the opportunity to play a team uh, like UNLV, and it'll be a lot of fun on Saturday. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you. Go Lobos. Go Bows. You'll see me there. You'll see thousands of other Lobo fans there. Get out and support your guys. Support Coach G. The dudes need it. Uh, I agree with him. Hey, go Lobos. Yeah, go Bows. Absolutely. Get a win win today. You're on the road to a bowl game. I mean, this this weekend, rather. You're on your way to a bowl game. It's a tough schedule. That's why you still got Boise State, which is going to be tough. You got a couple of tough matchups. You got Utah State. But you win this weekend against a a good UNLV team. You've got momentum. I think the second half of that last game provided you some momentum. Uh, Again, again, 24 to 10 in that second half. They were the better team in that second half. You carry that into this week. You carry it into the rest of the season. There's no reason the Lobos can't go bowling. All right, Danny G, I hope you're still listening. I think we got a new motivational speaker here. Go both. So halftime, DWC, let's go. When we get back, NFL trade deadline recap. I know the boys here got some hot takes. I do. I don't. (laughs) 
All right, this is me and you. All right, let's do it, DWC. Let's do it. You're listening to Two Men On, 95.9 FM AM 610, the sports animal. Welcome back to the program. It's always a good day when Coach G joins you on the program. That man knows football. Yeah, he does. I mean, he's just, he's just, you, you talk to some people in sports and you think, man, they're masters at the craft. They know more. They've forgotten more today than I've known in my life. Exactly that. Exactly that. Yeah. You listen to Two Men On, 95.9 FM, AM 610, the sports animal here having a blast at ABQ Axe. I know you can hear the axes slamming in the yep. wood in the background. These people are very good at throwing axes. <laughs> yes. As league night starts in nine short minutes, they don't miss. Nope. These guys on this side right here, DWC, I'm pointing to my left for those not watching on television. They don't miss. But down here on the other side, we got the amateurs. That's we where got, I go. We got those having the funsies. Friend of the show, it's not just a league night. We got some uh, lanes open just for you. Yep, yep. And boy, do I have a special treat. $7.50 off per person, per lane, per hour. Sheesh. So that means. It's a great deal. I, I did a little math okay. in my head, right? Let's say you had five people, right? All right. Oh, so five people. Because that's, that's, the, that's the most in a lane. Um, <laughs> you had them for two hours. Correct. You're saving over $70. Oh, my goodness. That's an unbelievable number. You know what you can buy with $70, Jace? A lot. $70 worth of stuff. Yeah. That's exactly how much. It's a lot of beer. <laughs> that's a lot of beer. Yeah. That is a lot of beer. That's a well, that's an appropriate amount of beer. I'm sorry for saying that out loud. Yeah. That's the average amount of beer that one should drink in one sitting. Wait, what? I'm not here to judge. Oh, NFL man. trade deadline just <laughs> passed yesterday, boys. And I think you both have some strong thoughts on this situation. We got winners, we got losers. Yeah, I'm going to flip a coin. Who's going first? DWC, who you got? I got the winners. Okay. You got the losers? Sounds good to me. Okay. Let's do it. All right. So I'm going to start the segment in the most obvious way possible. Winner at the NFL trade deadline. Okay. The Philadelphia Eagles. Weird. Isn't that weird that I said that? Go (laughs) Browns. It, All right. Is there any reason behind this? No, or just because I wanted, like them. No, you just uh, wanted to say the Eagles. No, I, I think people forget about the deal that happened because it happened a week ahead of time. Sure. Kevin Biard mm-hmm. coming to the Biard. Philadelphia Eagles from the Tennessee Titans, filling in a safety role where they were struggling all sure. season. I mean, Kenny Blankenship was your best player back there, and he's performed above expectation, uh, but he's not an everyday starter, and he has been your best player at that position. They've been injured at that position. They were That was their most shallow position coming into the season. So to get him a week ahead of time, and by the way, to get Tennessee to pay some of that salary, uh-huh. unbelievable. Unreal. Unbelievable deal and really shores up a defense uh, for Philadelphia that was struggling a little bit against the pass. Yeah, they're still really good, but you say the word struggling. Okay, that's fine. I said a little. Chase, loser. Loser. I'm going to stick in the NFC East, and I'm going to go with the Washington Commanders Ooh, right now. There's okay. another team that I'll mention in a minute, but you get rid of Chase Young. You drafted him second overall, second overall, and all you got out of that was a seventh-round pick? That's all you got for I mean, him? It, it go all the way up to a third. I mean, I, at best, it's a third-round first pick. Of, first of all, that's the second overall pick and probably one of the best pass rushers. We haven't seen it this year because he's been a little banged up, but probably one of the best pass rushers. San Francisco, congratulations. Now you have him with Joey Boza, but Washington, the best you got out of a guy that you drafted second overall and has not been really playing bad. The only reason we haven't had his name probably called as much has been because of injury. 
all you get is a seventh round pick that could at best be a third round pick. His, it was healthy last week. He got two sacks. Mm-hmm. And they immediately parlayed him. Didn't make a lot of sense to me. If you don't think he's the future of the defensive line on your franchise. I don't understand that deal. He wasn't contracted I, any longer. I don't longer. know what Washington's doing. Yeah, didn't make any sense at all. Yeah. And a guy that's just as good as him, Montez Sweat, also gone. Yes. Chicago. Terrific player. Terrific player going to a team in Chicago, by the way, that could have been one of my winners uh, in this, but is not because my second winner remains in the NFC. It's the New York Giants. Leonard Williams. <laughs> Leonard okay. Williams is – I got a buyer. How are you, can, you can't say the word Giants and winners I'm, in the same sentence. You had, you had a team in the Philadelphia Eagles who were buyers at the deadline. Now you got a team who sold really well at the deadline. Giants got two wins on the season, obviously. Leonard Williams going out. He's in a contract year, and you got a second and a fifth round pick mm-hmm. for a guy who has one and a half sacks so far through the year that's a terrific terrific return on a guy who's doing absolutely nothing who isn't going to do much going forward and is in a contract year you were going to get nothing for him in four months it's a terrific deal for new york well done on their part and it sets them up for the future because they're not doing anything this season damn it dwc you're so logical and reasonable and correct in this one moment and i hate it (laughs) i do so much you know you got another loser yeah and it's we're going to just go with the NFC We're East. doing the whole okay, division. All NFC East. All, all right, NFC cool. East. Good job. The Sorry, Dallas Coach. Cowboys. Sorry, Coach yeah. G. Sorry, Coach G, but the Dallas Cowboys are the biggest loser at the trade deadline, without a that. doubt, because they made that deal for Stephon Gilmore a few, few whenever back and ha- thought that's enough for the year. No, Derrick Henry was available. No, Saquon, Saquon Barkley, Barkley yep. was available. No, there was a lot of running backs you probably could have went and got that are unhappy with their situation where they are, and you didn't do a dang thing about it. And here's the problem with that. Tony Pollard, great back. Hey, he's terrific. Great back. But you have a chance to get a guy that Derrick Henry that is built like a semi-truck, and then you also have a chance to get a guy like Saquon who's been unhappy in New York. Yeah, sure, he's dealt with some injury, but who cares? Get him. Get him in a place that he actually might enjoy being in Mm -hmm. and let him go run crazy. But, no, Dallas is the biggest dumpster fire oh my gosh. team in the NFL right now when it comes to helping players. You're speaking to my Philadelphia heart Yeah, I know. You're really winning <laughs> and David I, over here. And my dad's a diehard Cowboys fan. Well, not anymore. He doesn't watch it as much as he did, but, he, you know, I, <laughs> sit, reasons. There, yeah, I yeah. sit there watching the Cowboys as a kid and, you still see this is this is this is a problem. Yeah, but you're you're talking you're talking running backs, and I think the Cowboys' biggest deficit was not getting a number two wide receiver. That's another thing I thought because Gallup, Michael Gallup, Gallup, and Cooks have been hot garbage yeah. all year. Ceedee Lamb is having to do their tight ends. Ceedee Lamb is carrying by, all by himself, hundred percent. Yeah, and he can't do it all year, and he can't do it against good. NFL competition. I'm out of here. Let's let's carry this conversation a tiny bit more when we get back. And also, Amory's mandatory NFL headlines. Let go. Jace Hinton, sports information, New Mexico Highlands University, host of the Hammer Time podcast and JMH Productions. Thanks for joining us hey, again. Hey, thank you, man. Thank you for having me on. It's a great time to be on here. Hopefully, I'll be back at some point. I'm going to subscribe to that Hammer Time podcast. You, you do better. that. More Van Nunley, more David Weesey Carl, and more Amory Castillo and NFL headlines when we get back. You're listening to Two Men On, 95.9 FM, AM 610, The Sports Animal.